0: Welcome to Skunk Works, where each episode we speak with CEOs of established SaaS companies about strategies for keeping innovation fresh. Hello, everyone, Eric here. I'm the host of the Skunk podcast, a show where we collect stories from experienced business leaders with the intention, quite frankly, of simply helping and inspiring others along their journey. Before I begin, this episode is brought to you by Half Serious. It's a design and technology company that I founded where we help companies become, oh sorry, service companies become tech-enabled businesses. My guest today, none other than Fardad, the CEO of Kudo. Fardad, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Eric. All right, so you were the opposite of me, in the sense that every, all the research that I've done on you uh, tells me that you're someone that is very disciplined, right? that sort of knows your code, and I want to get into that. But first, I would love to know a little bit more about Kudo, but mostly, what do you personally find really interesting about that company?
1: Thank you. Thanks for hosting me, Eric. Um, KUDO is language as a service platform. Uh, what we do at KUDO, we make every business or give every business a superpower, which is being able to communicate with the global teams, partners, customers without any language challenge. So we're giving access to reach to global market, global workforce, as well as uh, partners for businesses that they want to reach to wider and more diverse clientele uh, and being able to capture those markets early on in their journey. Okay. Uh, We are a Series A startup. We started the company in 2017, uh, spent about two years developing the product and the platform Went live end of 2018. 2019, uh, we had our very first year uh, experiencing product market fit, generating initial success. 2020, uh, we, as any startup, uh, we were about a team of 14, 15 people. March 1st, pandemic happened. Mm. Many people wanted uh, a solution to be able to communicate without. language barrier, and we really accelerated our journey. Today, I'm uh, happy to share we are about a team of 180 people, uh, have a lot of great logos on our portfolio, being able to really building bridges and and making sure people are communicating online effectively, clearly uh, with their international
0: uh, audience. All right. Just to make it a little bit clearer, can you, can you give me an example of a prob- of, of a specific problem of a client and, and how they're using Kudo to solve that problem? So think about Eric. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I want to uh, reach out to an audience. Uh, I, I heard you're, you're based in Montreal, right? So let's yes. say you want to have your podcast bilingual, English, French, or maybe you want to reach out to Portuguese audience in Brazil as well or a Spanish audience in 18 countries that they speak Spanish mm-hmm. out, uh, out and about. So how can Eric schedule this podcast live in four languages? You need to remember four letters, K-U-D or KUDO. We schedule a meeting for you. you basically, you schedule the meeting yourself. You book, uh, create the sessions. You have access to our 12,000 qualified interpreters based on your language needs 24-7. Uh, it's a self-serve platform. So we have a marketplace, which is the supply of really professional vetted interpreters. And also the platform that you can use, Kudo platform or integrate to Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Hopin, you name it, different video or event platform. Got it. Um, so that's really how it works.
0: Okay, very cool. And what made you decide to, to launch that? What's the What's the background story?
1: A uh, very, uh, very long story. I've been in, in this business for about 20 years. Uh, oh. The third company. And in the previous two companies, I've been solving the same problem, language bar- barrier, for mainly in-person meetings. So when you think about like UN-type meetings, that people are coming together, a very structured, very moderated meeting, a lot of infrastructure, resources in place, real estate the people, that come together for a constant, everyday uh, communication. So that has been my prior um, activities for two decades. And I've been very successful in that. So the reason I moved from California to New York was uh, 10 years ago, we got awarded to renovate the UN. But UN is one of many uh, customers that wow. I personally uh, contributed to the technology side. Now, the idea came up, how I can create a product that is much easier to use and more accessible and being able to expand the market beyond this traditional user of language interpretation and bring it to businesses, so businesses that can benefit from it, for a product that has been very cumbersome to to use, but also very difficult to organize and schedule. So um, going back to the example, how could Eric find a qualified interpreter in Portuguese? Yeah. What are the uh, ways to engage with that interpreter? And what platform you can use to really have a very seamless, frictionless experience for your audience? So these are the things that we're solving and with very much uh a uh, laser-focused to expand the market for many uh, first-timers using our product. And that has been the uh, experience in the last two and a half years.
0: Okay, very cool. Very exciting. Very um, interesting and complex problem to solve. Um, so let's, let's get into the deep of this uh, conversation. I know a lot of, I mean, I know some entrepreneurs that have had a little bit of uh, the same sort of trajectory that you have, where you start off and you're four employees or 14, and you just have lunch with everyone and you're super accessible and they meet you at the coffee machine all the time. And then from one day to the next, you're 180 employees, and now you're you're not accessible, or 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 it's it's much more difficult to kind of figure out how to get to to talk to you, and and yet, you have this reputation for for a CEO that's very accessible. Um, zero inbox means that someone sends you something uh, that answer, you know. I'm assuming that that means that they get an answer on that day. So I have two questions here. Why do you feel that that's important? And then how the hell did you manage to actually get that to work?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, there was not like a special time of uh, my, my career path that I decided that I want to be accessible, right? So this just happened organically. And I have to say, I have to admit very frankly that there are many advantages to be accessible but also there are disadvantages. There are many challenges that you're always accessible. And I acknowledge that. Um, so uh, being accessible really make it possible for people to reach to you and get your ideas, get your feedback, get your comments. Um, how to do it is, uh, is really being organized yeah uh having a very clear uh objectives every day every week every month having a okr as a ceo like mm-hmm. what are my objectives this month this quarter uh having everything on your calendar so i have uh, two young kids a lot of birthday parties a lot of activities a lot of uh, um vaccine number one, vaccine number two, uh, dentist visit, all of that, in addition to your own schedule, right? So um, think about like uh, 180 plus uh, team members today at KUDO. Um, But at the same time, the downside is that uh, you getting into the weeds too often, Mm -hmm. and maybe not necessarily, not the best use of your time. So it's being aware of sometimes saying no while you are always accessible, but like blocking time. There's people that don't book time with you or giving um, full independence to your team, being able for them to trust their instinct and make decisions and not necessarily constantly having your feedback in, 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 in throughout the process. So um, this is a challenge. Uh, I have to say, and uh, the only way to overcome this challenge is just being aware, acknowledging that uh, not necessarily always being accessible is a good thing.
0: Yeah, can and... I ask? Can I ask a question? Because uh, I, I don't want to forget the um, you mentioned OKR. I'm very interested in OKRs. I, I have a bad implementation of OKRs right now, and so I'm trying to get better at it. Um, I'm going to assume that because you're executing okrs really well whenever you have a question it's going to be a, or a conversation with anyone it's going to be very focused because you're probably going to be talking about something specific about a key result that they're supposed to be delivering this you know this month or something like that it's, so it's not you're not getting into sort of pie in the sky conversations with people or wouldn't it be nice if we did xyz the conversations are kind of are, are tightly focused
1: On Thursdays, I have my one-on-ones. So today is my one-on-one day. And this is my break time right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're having this podcast. So this, once a month, we're looking at uh, my one-on-ones, looking at OKRs, where we are in the quarter, where we are in the month, but not necessarily going into just the surface of the numbers. What are the things we're doing behind those numbers? What are the things we've uh, tried What are the things that we can try further? uh, Where we see success, where we see pushbacks and uh, be very creative about this, right? So, and uh, that's going to be a dedicated once a month on Thursdays within my schedule to do it. So, uh, but OKR uh, is also very new for our organization. Uh, Very new, meaning we are on the Third or fourth quarter, having uh, uh, basically quarterly OKRs, and um, I have to say uh, it's a it's an adjustment for everybody. It's an adjustment for me, for the team. How to communicate this on a uh, on our monthly all hands to the entire company? Visibility for everybody, transparency for everybody, but also um, going back and constantly developing those objectives. And whether this objective that we set really represents the success of the co- uh, that department, or we need to go back and further assess that for every every quarter. So this is a it's constant work. Uh, I'm very, very uh, fortunate. I have a great uh, business partner, my chief of staff, who's really helping me, helping the company, helping the exec team on this area.
0: Got it. Okay. So... I think I'm starting to understand. So the accessibility part is not like, hey, my door's always open. Come in and we'll just talk, right? It's more of a, I'm carving up some specific time where we're going to talk about your objectives. We're going to talk about the key results that you're supposed to be deliver in this one-on-one format. So that there's you, someone has something to tell you, they know they don't have to barge in they know that they have a one-on-one on Thursday. So they'll just earmark it or, or, or put a post-it on their desk or something and then and then they'll bring it up to you. So they it forces them to also be structured about, about the way that they, they bring these conversations over to you.
1: That's correct. So uh, being accessible, I, I would uh, uh, categorize it in like a, a three buckets, right? One is being accessible to your direct reports. Uh, to my exec team, right? So that is uh, updates, discussions, guidance that is happening on a once a week uh, uh, cadence. Then there are ongoing uh, challenges that come up throughout the week that of course uh, we use uh, uh, Slack. Uh, So basically getting on a quick call, uh, Slack, uh, we are in different time zones, different countries so uh, that's always a challenge. I have a couple of our execs team that are based in New York but many of them are in different uh, states or different countries. Right um, Now uh, then being accessible to the rest of the company when it comes to uh, uh, new product new go-to-market strategy new uh partnership right that is not directly uh, uh with throughout my direct report departmental kind of approach or cross department uh functions like there is a whole world crisis right now with uh, you know russian invasion of ukraine and how can we do something together all happening over the weekend getting on a call being available to our ukrainian based team and uh, so these are kind of ongoing
0: uh, ad hoc type of stuff. Ad hoc,
1: right? Yeah. Um, the other one being accessible through your for your peers, which is not necessarily direct internal Kudo employees, but Kudo partners, Kudo clients, Kudo uh, uh, my peers, my mentors, my investors, my board members, right? So. How can I be accessible to them? Uh, Not necessarily all related to the business that we're doing at Kudo, but a partner. Hey, I'm looking at this opportunity to build a partnership with another tech company. Do you have any advice for that? How quickly can I uh, get back to that person? How can I set some standards? This is my response time. So next time I come to you, I also expect a WhatsApp return or a 24-hour response time. Mm. So you kind of a really informally, unofficially set boundaries, rules of engagement with your peers, with your network, right? Whether it's your friendship, whether it's your partner, business partner, or whether you're your team members. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, I I really like that. I, I think I'd like to do like a slight segue because I, I think we're walking right into the culture conversation because you and I, before we started recording, had a quick conversation on culture. And one thing that I uh, that I think we both agreed with is that, you know, you could do a lot of overt things like defining these things as values and stuff like that. But ultimately, culture is a lot more organic. And as a CEO, you probably have less Control over that culture that you sometimes you 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 wish you did. Like, do you see? I'm kind of seeing a a, a natural um, connection between everything that you just described and the culture at Kudo. Um, what do you think? So Kudo
1: is my third company, um, uh, and I can admit that as a founder, as a CEO, you have. Some level of control on planting the roots of what you're building, who you want to be around you, who really think that really believe in this vision and mission, mission. And then at some point, uh, there are a lot of internal and external um, uh, uh, factors that are not necessarily CEO has full control over or a founder has full control over. What you can do as a CEO is really how to interpret those and apply those uh, external factors into day-to-day kind of uh, activities or adjust the core values and really uh, adopt and optimize uh, overall uh, the the synergy amongst all the team members in the company. So for example, uh, amongst these three businesses uh, that I started, there are 70% similarities about us being very entrepreneurial, making decisions, very independent Mm -hmm. uh, as far as uh, kind of a day-to-day activities, very multilingual multicultural that has been that applies to all uh, three companies but when it comes to like a hardware company, software company, service company, there are a lot of other things like uh, like engineering culture how really you build an engineer culture within a multilingual multicultural business, but also have the software Uh, mindset, software engineering mindset. That has been a big challenge for us because we are operating in different time zones, different countries, you have different pods. Um, So (laughs) I do a lot of interviews, job interviews uh, for for candidates. uh, And uh, for, uh, I think until like, employee number 80 90 i interviewed everybody but then start really putting a lot of good systems in place uh-huh. and uh, having a very great and robust uh, people ops team that okay if these two people they confirm the culture i'm totally on board with that right, right? so um well I'm not a big fan. I don't love it when candidates that come to me, hey, what is your company culture? I mean, come on, you should have done your study already prior to this interview from our website, from our videos to understand what the culture is. I mean, a good question would be, how do you think about this specifics about the culture? How do you think I would fit in or how your Company culture would support this initiative versus that initiative. That would be a more meaningful question, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The first question is a little lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because now when you go to every company's website, you look at a few pages, a few company pictures, group team pictures, LinkedIn profile, you should already know what the company's culture is.
0: Yeah. I will say though, I've I've heard stories of of people going on interviews and, and then there is an official you know publicized culture and then when you're in a room one on one with the other person it's like hey so you, you know you say that you're about transparency like is that true or whatever and you can see sometimes people squirm in their seats like ah, that's what we that's what we're trying to get to but we're not completely there yet and, and stuff like that so that's uh,
1: that's that's a great question to ask you know uh can you give me an example i see that your company is a is a transparent company based on what i've learned can you give me an example of uh, right. your personal experience that would be a great question right
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 all right last question because i told you this was going to be short short storytelling uh last question is you have a reputation of being a very everything is possible type of guy um how does that play into a very structured okr culture like everything is possible But right now we're working on this, right? So everything possible just makes it sound like, let's question everything all the time. And that's like the opposite of of rolling out OKRs. Yeah.
1: So I think uh, you really want, uh, (laughs) it's a challenge, right? So um, when you are building an exec team, when you're building a team, Building a, 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 you need to really think about. Uh, and am putting a, you know, a soccer team together, right? Yep. You need your offense, you need your midfield, you need your, you know, uh, goalkeeper. You need everybody within that team to really make it a successful team. This goes back to have a very optimistic, realistic, pessimistic, right? <laughs> within all these ideas that come in, uh, in, in front of us on the table. So you really need to have. A very good team around you to be able to um, uh, say no to many of these uh, great initiatives that you feel they're great and they are great. But uh, uh, every every quarter we get together and we try to drop a few things out of our uh, plans and drop it's a, a very few things hard... like yes. abandon
0: things, saying yes. we're gonna not do that.
1: Yes, because. Because we really believe that uh, the space that we're in, um, there are a lot of exciting things that you can do, um, but you cannot do all of them at the same time. So being able to say no and prioritize and put pause on uh, uh, some of those items is a very, very hard thing to do, but it's the thing that we should do and uh, and as you know, you know startups. They don't fail because lack of ideas is because of lack of focus so that's yeah. that's what i would say as far as um being optimistic and having a, a can-do attitude versus a little bit of holding back and being realistic about what can i do within this uh, timeline with the resources that i have and let me do that Instead of pick up another thing.
0: So it sounds like that sentence was just incomplete, right? So it's like everything is possible if we focus on a few things and, and, exactly. and make them great. I love it. Hey, that, thank you so much because I really want to say thank you because you did not shy away from being like not sugarcoating this thing. Like, yes i'm accessible but not in any way yes everything is possible but you need to focus i i really love how balanced your your sort of uh, position is on this and that's that's why i enjoy so much talking to experienced leaders because you know you've been through this it's not your first rodeo you understand the difference between like this big ideal and the reality of actually implementing that and 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 leading on it so really really very appreciative of of uh of your authenticity thank you so much
1: thank you Eric. thank you very much for having me and uh i want to just uh, comment on what you do I, I one of the areas that i really enjoy um uh, is being able to to share some of these lessons learned mm-hmm. with uh with uh, with those uh who are uh brave and uh, and uh, and uh, basically Picking up an idea and want to start a business and uh, really have uh, dreams. So, uh, I always love to hang out with people with big hopes and dreams. So, thank you for having me.
0: All right. Have a good one for that. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to Skunk Works. We'll see you again next time and be sure to click subscribe to get future episodes.